Are you struggling as a parent? Or is your child struggling and you're just not sure what to do? They might be struggling with something emotional, like depression, anxiety, loneliness, cutting, or getting bullied. It's hard for us as parents to know what to do. Well, welcome to the Dr. Todd Talks podcast. I've worked with over 10,000 families from all over the world. I've worked with celebrities, I've worked with royalty, and I've worked with normal families like you and I. We all just want to have happy, resilient kids. How do you do that when your child gets a little bit off track? Well, if you're a parent struggling right now, and you feel like you're at the end of your rope and just not sure what to do, then listen to my stories of connection, where I'm going to share hope and relief and strategies on how to create happy, resilient kids. Let's get started. Hi, it's Dr. Todd Corelli here. Welcome back. In video one, we looked at the parenting paradox that traps many of us in ineffective power struggles with our kids. In video two, we looked at how to escape the trap by using listening skills to tap into their feelings and gain that vital connection which is behind all true influence. And then we ended by looking at how questions can help build a child's self-evaluative thoughts and feelings. In this video, I'm going to share some rules and some tricks to help you increase your child's awareness and their responsiveness to their own self-evaluative thoughts and feelings. So let's talk about how to use them. I'm going to tell you a true story, a personal story that reflects how this was done. So when my daughter Jessica was seven years old, I was faced with a situation that was extremely frustrating. I just got home from work. It was a very long day. I was exhausted. And my wife quickly told me a problem that Jessica had had at school that day. And she let me know I was going to be the one that was dealing with this problem. So Valerie had gotten a call from school that afternoon. And the school had let her, let her know that Jessica had kicked one of her peers in the face during a recess. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Jessica. Jessica is amazingly independent. (laughs) She's an extremely capable person and it's a trait that I have both loved and have struggled with her entire life. So this phone call from her school, that was certainly not the first time we had heard from them. In fact, it was really starting to become a pattern. So coming home from work that day, I'm telling you, I was in no mood to be gentle. I was very frustrated and I was not going to be gentle in how I wanted to deal with it. But I'll tell you that all of my past efforts at helping Jessica with these problems included me lecturing, bribing, threatening, yelling, pleading, grounding, any, anything you can imagine, but nothing worked with her. And, and I honestly, I had no idea what else to do. So this time I decided I was gonna try a different approach. The first thing I did was I sat down with Jessica and in a completely neutral manner, I asked her to describe for me what happened at school that day. Now, she was initially pretty defensive with me. She literally said, well, you already know because mom told you, which I didn't really love that response. It was true. But I was determined, and this is the key here, I was determined to stay neutral. I was going to just not react, right? So I persisted, and I was asking her just for a description, just tell me what happened. I was trying to be more like a reporter, just gathering the facts, okay? I was specifically not judging. I was not criticizing. I was only asking for a description of what happened. So I was fact-finding. Well, I succeeded in being neutral. 
and, and non-persuasive and non-judgmental. And so she eventually caught on to the fact that this was not going to be adversarial with me like it had been in the past. Well, at that point, she opened up and she gave me a really clear description of what had happened. She explained that this boy was teasing her friend and she didn't like that. So she decided to kick him in the face to make him stop, which it worked actually. So I asked her a few more questions and she made some clarifications. And to be honest with you, we were both very relaxed. And again, it was a very neutral, non-adversarial conversation. And then after we were talking for a while, I asked her a question. And, and really, my goal at this point was to ask her about feelings. But not just any feelings. I wanted to ask her how she felt about herself. That's the key. So my question went something like this. I said, so Jessica, what you're saying to me is that when you're upset at other people, you feel like it's okay to hurt them. Is that, is that accurate? She did not really like hearing it that way. So she denied that she felt it was okay to hurt people. So that I go back to my fact-finding mode and I just asked for more descriptions of her behavior. And then I came back with basically the same question. I said, when you're upset with someone, you feel like it's okay to hurt them, right? Well, she denied it again. And then I asked this very simple question. I said, is this the kind of kid that you want to be? Well, her response blew me away. There were instant tears running down her face. I was stunned by this. Well, we talked some more and she admitted to me that she did not want to be the kind of person who hurt others when she was angry. I'm telling you the beauty of this experience is that Jessica was able to experience her own feelings of disappointment in herself. She didn't have to pay attention to mine. And this was so unlike all the other times that we had had discussions together where the only thing she was feeling was my disappointment in her. And I really believe that by experiencing her own feelings of self-disapproval, that made her naturally want to change. Now, I've shared this story with lots of parents over the years. And many times parents will ask me, well, what did you do next? Well, the answer is I didn't do anything. I mean, what else was there to do? I didn't need to ground her. I didn't need to take away her toys. I didn't need to be punitive because the punitive part was already there and it was coming from inside herself. I just don't think you can improve on that. Let me add a little commentary here. First, I want you to notice I made no attempt to teach, preach, lecture, manipulate, encourage, shame, condemn, whatever. I didn't do any of those things. All I did was ask Jessica to look inside of herself and decide how she felt about her own behaviors. You know, did she approve of them? Did she disapprove of them? What do you think Jessica learned from this experience? I think she learned a lot. And she didn't learn it from a lecture. She didn't learn it from me grounding her or some other punitive measure. She learned it from experiencing her own self-evaluative feelings about her behavior. Now it's true, I helped create that experience, but that's what I'm supposed to do as her dad. Jessica understood at a very personal level that she did not approve of herself for what she'd done. She did want to get even with this boy, but I think her self-evaluative thoughts and feelings didn't feel very good once she became aware of them. I really think this was an important lesson for her to learn about who she was. And then at the end of this experience, she was tons more aware of who she was and what she should and shouldn't do in order to feel good about herself. Most importantly, that awareness was her awareness. And to the extent that this experience would shape her behavior in the future, that control would then come from within her rather than from out of her, from me, or from some other external expectation that she may or may not follow. 
Now, I also want you to notice what I did and what I did not do in this process. What I did do, I did get Jessica to describe her behavior carefully and I did ask her about her feelings about herself for the way she behaved. Those two steps represent the basic rules of accessing self-evaluative thoughts and feelings. But that's really all I did. I did not manipulate her. I did not control her. There was no persuasion. There was no punishment. There was no intimidation. I didn't even suggest what she should do or feel. That sense of right and wrong and that disappointment and approval for her behavior was already within her. And all I did was help her discover those feelings for herself. So in other words, I just guided her to better understand her own identity. Now, it's also true that Jessica understood that I didn't approve of her behavior. Of course I didn't. But she also understood that I was genuinely inquiring about how she felt about herself. That was my main concern. And I treated her as though her approval was at least as important as my approval, or more important. As a result of this, she learned two very important lessons about herself. Number one, she found out that she liked herself better when she was kinder, even towards a boy that she thought was a jerk. Now notice, I did not say that my approval required her to be kinder. This was a new internal standard that she was developing on her own. She was learning to develop and satisfy her own internal standards of behavior. My standards were important, but they were secondary to hers. Second, Jessica experienced a circumstance in which the discovery of her own personal feelings would help define who she was and what was important to her. She was being taught to look inside and discern who and what she should be. So let's talk about the two steps. Number one, ask for a description of the behavior and nothing else. You are fact-finding only, and I cannot overstate the importance of fact-finding without judgment. The minute you start judging, it's over. You're asking for a description, and there should be no hint of trying to persuade your child to give you the right answer. I'm telling you, the minute you try to do that, the gig is up. Step number two. This is what you do. Once you feel like you have a good description of the behavior, this is when you inquire about self-evaluative thoughts and feelings. So to be specific, your questions can be somewhere along the lines of, you know, how do you feel about yourself when? And just remember, we're not asking about feelings in general. I'm not asking how you feel. If I had asked Jessica how she felt when she kicked this boy, she probably would have told me she felt angry. Or maybe she would have told me that it felt really good to kick him. But instead of asking about feelings in general, you're specifically asking, how do you feel about yourself when you engage in whatever behavior they're describing to you? Now, once you get the hang of these two steps, the process is really pretty simple. I think most people find it difficult only because it's new. Now, let's go back for a minute to our original story of Emily and Sarah. That's the story in video one. But this time, let's see what happens when we emphasize description and minimize parental judgment. I want you to notice that this time, the judging comes only from within Emily's own self-evaluative thoughts and feelings, and then only after important events and alternatives have been carefully described. The results are completely different, and so is the nature of the interaction between Emily and her dad. So let's go back to the story. I'm gonna tell you the story again. Emily and Sarah were not only sisters, they were best friends. 
Emily was older and Sarah was the perfect adoring little sister. She loved to play with Sarah and Sarah loved the attention. One of their favorite activities was to dance and lip sync to their favorite songs. And they even created these elaborate dances and they started having these mini performances every Sunday night for their family. And after a few of these performances, they decided to call themselves the Rock Twins. And they made this large elaborate poster that was advertising their next upcoming performance. Well, a couple of days prior to the performance, Sarah did something that really upset Emily. And so Emily retaliated. And just like most siblings, Emily knew exactly how to hurt Sarah. She called her some names, and then she ripped up this poster that they created. And it really wasn't just about the ripped poster, but Sarah was devastated that her older sister no longer wanted to be her best friend. Well, within a few minutes, Dad walked over to Emily, took her by the hand, and quietly but firmly escorted her to her room where she was instructed to stay. Now, Emily knew the routine. She was going to stay in that room until she was ready to come down and have a talk with mom and dad. Both mom and dad were willing to let their kids pout and they never made a big deal about it. But once you started calling names or becoming hurtful or becoming cruel, that was not tolerated. Let me give you a simple translation here. Emily would be staying in her room until she was ready to talk. And that could be five minutes, five hours, five days, five years. It was up to her. Well, eventually Emily reappeared and she told her parents she was ready to talk. So they went into another room so they could talk privately. Mom started the conversation. She wanted Emily to know that they were a team. Her and dad were a team. And even though Emily was only nine years old at the time, she had heard this question from mom many times before. And this was the question. Please describe for us as specifically as you can what you did that caused the trouble. Now, mom was calm. She was pleasant, but she was direct. Her attitude showed no signs of anger. She was not about to punish. She simply was asking for a clear description, non-judgmental. Well, Emily acknowledged that she called Sarah some names and she ripped up the poster. She, she acknowledged that she was trying on purpose to hurt her sister. And that came from Emily. It did not come from her parents. While she's saying that, they listened. They didn't make any comments. Again, they were not judging her. When the description was complete, Dad asked Emily if it would be fair to describe her as mean and hurtful after Sarah did something she didn't like. So Emily lowered her head and mumbled yes. Then mom asked how she felt about herself for purposefully hurting her little sister so badly. So Emily kept looking at the floor and she said, I don't feel very good about it. Well, mom asked her another question. What does it mean when you say not very good? And this is when Emily started to cry, but she was not crying because of her parents' judgments or disapproval, but it was her own judgment that was bothering her. Then it was over, the event was over. Mom and dad hugged her and Emily was immediately kinder to Sarah for the rest of the day. Now, there were gonna be lots more events like this in the years to come. I mean, kids are gonna be kids, right? But eventually Emily will learn to control her own behavior because every time a situation like that happens, her parents are going to ask her to look at what she did and then ask her how she feels about herself for those actions. And the disapproval she experiences will be her own. It won't be from her parents. And likewise, when she behaves in ways that she approves of, the approval that she experiences will be her own. And that is the very foundation of self-esteem. So now you're probably asking, is this for real? I mean, can things really happen this way? Can children really learn to control themselves at such an early age? 
with their own judgments of right and wrong. And what is it that makes simple, accurate descriptions such a potent and self-corrective influence in forming these judgments? I'm just gonna say this. I'm not just throwing out some nice sounding theory out there for you. I have been doing this in one variation or another with my own kids for most of their lives. That doesn't make them perfect and it certainly doesn't make me perfect. But my goal has always been to have them be guided by their own sense of right and wrong. And so any efforts that I've made, I've kind of had this in mind. Let me add that whenever my kids have been brave, courageous, or done things that are really difficult, we talk about those things as well. I ask them how they feel about themselves in those situations also, so it's not just negative, negative things. And in those circumstances, their responses are usually something along the lines of self-approval. They feel strong or they feel good about themselves. And this is important because again, the essence of self-esteem is behaving in ways that result in feeling good about ourselves. Now I'm gonna add that simple description is so critical and it's so potent because accurate description contains the basis for most judgments about good or bad or right or wrong. And I think this is as true of children as it is of adults. For example, a good number of adults could describe themselves as lazy and irresponsible. I certainly could describe myself as that. But hardly any of us would ever talk about being lazy and irresponsible with pride. Nobody's gonna say that with some deep sense of satisfaction. Why is that? Because being lazy and irresponsible, that represents a lower level of human functioning. Being lazy and irresponsible does not warrant self-approval. So to summarize, parents help their children describe their behaviors accurately, and they are also helping them develop a basis for judging themselves accurately. And internal self-judgments will always prove to be a better basis for self-control than externally imposed parental judgments. So I want you to remember, accurate self-description, that contains the ingredients about good and bad or right and wrong. And that's why accurate description is important. And parentally imposed judgments are often ignored, misunderstood, or, or even irrelevant. In the next video, I want to outline how you can potentially go deeper into this valuable skill set and become a really, truly influential and effective parent, able to handle any situation no matter how difficult. I'll see you there. Hey, thanks for listening. This is Dr. Todd. And if you would like to move forward with healing yourself and helping to heal your children, I'd like to invite you to the Parenting Made Easy Challenge. It's a free challenge, and it's going to be private and confidential. You don't even have to have your camera on. But I would like to invite you to a free, small, mini-workshop where I'm going to show you some strategies of how to start to heal yourself and your children and your family. This is especially important around the holidays, which is a very stressful time with a lot of heartache, a lot of loneliness, and a lot of stress. So I invite you to sign up. You can click the link inside of the show notes inside the description of this episode and sign up for free. And then you can meet me live 
so I can show you some strategies of how to get through the holidays and how to start the process of healing your family.